1: And Welcome to our podcast from Secret Golf. This is the Tour Report and I'm Diane Knox. I'll be joined by Steve Elkington in just a little while. So today on the show, well, we're going to be talking about the Valspar Championship, the event on the PGA Tour this week. It's down at the Innisbrook Resort near Tampa in Florida. So the guy's back to the East Coast and we'll be talking about that. This course actually is one of the toughest that they play and and when we were kind of handicapping it this week, the stats that really stand out are very different to what we've seen over the past couple of weeks. So we'll go into that and we will give you our top picks. Last week, it was the Zura Classic of New Orleans, the team event, and it was won by the Aussies or Team Mullet, Mark Leishman and Cameron Smith. We had picked them as one of our top teams, so that was great. And Mark Leishman is actually one. One of the secret golf contributors so we're always rooting for him i'll be catching up with leash a little bit later on this week so we'll put that out as a little bonus podcast before the weekend so as I said we had picked them to do well um, and I'm going to brag a little bit about the fact um, I had picked Brant Snedeker and Keith Mitchell as one of my dark horses and they ended up finishing in a tie for fourth but it was action-packed and it was fun to watch a team event on the PGA Tour now before we get underway with our tour report for the Valspar Championship here's our look back on last week Look, the, the course certainly caused some problems for a few guys. Namely, Louis Oosthuizen on the 18th, the first playoff hole.
2: You're right, Diane. Of course, I was pulling for the Aussies and I'm sure the South Africans wanted to win, but Louis Ushausen very unmistakably hit a terrible drive in the playoff into the water as we talked about on this show. And I, I was lucky enough to be co-designer with Pete Dye on this course. The 18th hole, is a lot of drama because the reason that Louis had a driver out was because he was trying to take advantage of that right side and try to maybe get on the green in two. So it's a good design hole because it, it adds a lot of drama to the last hole.
1: And I think that the main theme of the week, which is just a Pete Dye trademark, is the fact that there's so much intimidation standing on the tee and you really could see it. I mean, that whole... It's as though all you really see is water and bunkers. That was the theme for so many of the holes for the week. But as you say, it was the Aussies that did it. Mark Leishman and Cameron Smith, affectionately known as Team Mullet.
2: (laughs) I couldn't believe the wig that uh, Leishman put on when he went to the tee. It was so funny. And of course, I think someone wrote on Twitter that they said a really interesting might be is if we just put Mark Leishman missing the green on all 72 holes and see how he, how he makes par from all these different places. And I think that's what had to happen in a, in a alternate shot. Uh, Diane, it's a very stressful um, format because you always have pressure on, you know, you, you, there's pressure on you not to screw up for your partner. Cam Smith hit a couple of loose shots. Mark kept getting him out of trouble. And at the end, there was enough for them to combine together. Of course, we picked them at the, at the beginning of the week saying the Aussies will be really hard to beat. And this particular win, Diane, may have parlayed those two into an Olympic pairing or going to the Olympics uh, this summer, as Adam Scott has said, he's, he's taken his name off consideration for the Australian Olympics.
1: And also for the President's Cup as well, uh, Trevor Immelman, the captain, he would have been watching closely because two years ago when we had the President's Cup, those guys were not teamed up together. So I think there's no way in the world that you could split them up now.
2: No, and I think, you know, we talked about Leishman having a top five at the Masters. Cam Smith has won this tournament before. It takes a lot of courage on some of these holes to fire across at these pins, but they they know their games very well. They were very comfortable with, you know, not worrying about making mistakes. And I think that in the end, Diane, was the difference. I mean, Cam Smith, to me, um, is really starting to emerge. Of course, we know Leishman's been a world-class player for 10 years, but Cam Smith is very calm under pressure. His stroke almost seems to get better the more pressure he's under. He calmly knocks these putts in from five and six feet, so was great to watch.
1: Yeah, well, that's Leishman's sixth win on the PGA Tour, Cameron's third. And you summed it up perfectly. I mean, coming down the stretch when uh, Cam Smith hit his tee shot in the water, Leish then chips in for birdie, which is unbelievable. So... You know, Leachman definitely did get them out of trouble with that kind of scrambling shot but Cam Smith on the greens him standing over the ball with that putter it's like he was never going to miss
2: No, he as I say he since the November Masters that Dustin Johnson won and Cam Smith shot four rounds in the 60s he's a different player now he's moved up a level on the tour now Cam Smith has of course he's moved himself into an elite class there where he's pretty much should win a tournament every year on the tour.
1: Yeah. Um, A lot of our picks did well. And um, the team that we said that weren't going to maybe be our favourite of Cameron Champ and Tony Finau, they were really in contention. It was almost like it was their tournament to go on and dominate into the weekend. But on Sunday, really, really fell away. And it's like we saw the same old problems from both of them on the greens.
2: Yeah, as I said, you know, alternate shot foursomes, as we call it is very stressful and when you know that your strength of your or your weakness of your partner for example, you don't want to put him in that pressure all the time and and sometimes that's exactly what you do and we saw that with them. They put themselves under a lot of pressure and it put their weakest club in the bag under the most pressure and it cost them and uh, that was that but you know, Finn out and and um Champ excellent players they're going to have their own day soon enough.
1: I know it has to come. And uh, it would be remiss of us not to talk more about Louis Ustasin and Charles Shortshall two very experienced players on the PGA tour and they're definitely going to pop up in our tour report for the Valspar this week.
2: Yes, uh, we talk we uh, we talk a lot about how how do we how do we handicap our players? How do we think about who's going to be the favorites each week and we sort of take we sort of have a model of let's take statistics let's take how they play on that course and let's take current form and let's even throw 10% more in for what we think as well so uh, I always like informed players Diane you know that very well
1: All right, so a lot of names going to be thrown up in the mix. The PGA Tour is back to Florida this week for the Valspar Championship and a trip to the Snake Pit. Get in the game on the SG Tour Golf Gaming app and play 4Ball. It's a classic stroke play competition based on the aggregate scores of four players. Who makes your team? Well, pick four guys, one from each tier based on the current World Golf Rankings. Want a tip? You need four guys to make the cut. Get in the game on the SG Tour Golf Gaming app available on iOS in the App Store. Hi and welcome to the tour report from Secret Golf this week back in Florida on the PGA Tour for the Valspar Championship down in Innisbrook near Tampa. I'm Diane Knox and Steve Elkington is here. Elk, we're gonna see some drama this week because this is known as being one of the most difficult courses that the tour plays on their schedule. In fact, in 2019, it was the third toughest course
2: It's a tough course, Diane, and it has a snake as a logo. How could be anything more terrifying than having a snake as the last three holes, the snake pit? I'm terrified of snakes, Diane. But, yes, this is a very narrow golf course. The grass is – we're back on Bermuda. This gets very windy. The front nine has a little undulation in it. The back nine's flatter. But it's just very awkward, long, dog-legging holes. And it takes a certain amount of style, a certain amount of uh, discipline to play this course well. There's been some repeat-type champions. Guys play well on this golf course. And we're going to shuffle all that together. And we're going to tell you who we think is going to do well this week.
1: Yes, we have all of our picks for the Valspar Championship. Now we said it's in Innisbrook, it's the Copperhead course, um, we see the snake, and the snake pit being holes 15, 16 and 17, notoriously difficult. Now Elk, the thing about this course is, and we're going to hear this so much, that ball striking is a premium, but it's always tight. I mean, six of the last seven champions haven't gone lower than minus 10, and it's one of those tournaments where uh, you know looking here 11 of the last 13 times that we've seen this tournament um it's either been the winners won by one shot or it's gone to a playoff so the scoring is not going to be excessively low and it's going to be tight come sunday
2: yes everything you said of course is true and a certain signature does develop on this golf course scrambling is one of the most important week, Diane. And why would that be? It's because nobody is going to hit all the fairways and nobody is going to hit all the greens. But over the course of the week, we find that the guys that are the best strikers and the guys that get up, getting up and down is is the key ingredient this week because you're not going to hit all the greens. So who can hit it into the right spots when they miss? Who can pitch the ball well and and sink the putt? Paul Casey will show up on our top 10. He's won this tournament. He's always right there. And when I think of who does this type of course set up well for, very good striker, Mm -hmm. chips the ball very well, patient, knows how to play this course. Some very odd angles, that hole right over your shoulder there. Number 16 is probably the hardest par four on the course. Water all the way down the right, but the, the hole sweeps to the right. So if you want to get... Down in the correct position, you've got to really hug the right sides. Very stressful tee shot because uh, if you go left, you're probably going to make five. So it's a very strategic course. We've got to hit the ball well and we've – Top 10, Diane, is just loaded with chippers and putters and good strikers.
1: Yeah, and experience will count for a lot around here as well. You talk about Paul Casey. We've kind of based our model on him this week because, well, we didn't have this tournament last year due to COVID, but he won in 2019. He won in 2018. Adam Hadwin was the 2017 champion. In 2016, Charles Schwartzel. I find it so hard to say his name, but we are going to be saying it a lot. We were saying it a lot last week because him and his partner Louis Oosthuizen finished second place after losing out in a playoff to Leishman and Smith at the Zurich and then Jordan Spieth winning in 2015 so you know you look at those names and uh, you know apart from Hadwin I guess the rest of them are very experienced ball strikers and know this course well.
2: Yep masterful chippers good strategists Hadwin is known as a great chipper and putter. So, yeah, you know, the ingredient, you don't go that low. You've already noted that. So the reason they can't go that low is it's odd angles. They finish in the rough a lot. They're bouncing balls up around the green. It's hard to get a really good score together every day. You are going to miss fairways, and you are going to have to deal with this grainy, nasty Bermuda rough, and it gets windy. So it's just – it's a really good test. And, and you've certainly noted there that there is a footprint that we follow when we, we talk about how to handicap this week.
1: And um, Elk, on a very personal level, this is a course that means a lot to my family because my brother, Russell Knox, in 2019 on the 11th hole, carded an albatross. And I'll never forget it because you and I were about to record our podcast... And we were on the phone, and I was refreshing the leaderboard, and it came up saying that he he carded a two on the par five, and I was like, "That has to be a mistake." But <laughs> he got it.
2: Yeah, that's uh, you know the eleventh hole. You know all you know all success there to Russell. The eleventh hole is is a very hard hole. To hit the fairway if you do happen to hit the fairway. It's a slight dog leg around, and then back the other way, and it's protected by bunkers. But if you do hit the fairway and you are lucky enough to have a crack at it. Which I can't believe that Russell could hit it that far into because it's quite a long hole. Uh, but yes, fantastic.
1: Yeah. And uh, talking of the holes this week, again, we're going to get some of your illustrations because they are going down like a tree. I'm telling you, we have people getting in touch constantly saying, and you're very modest, but they are saying that it's the best kind of hole strategy that they see for golf courses when the tournament is on. And it's just completely different. I mean, it's a very novel concept that you just don't see anyone else doing. And we love that.
2: I'm going to do them again. I always thought that I should play well at this tournament because it was narrow. Uh, I think I did okay at this tournament, but I know what the players are trying to do on these holes. I try to show you on the illustrations with that. and we're going to do it again. I'm going to do it on every course that uh, that I know the course well enough to be able to say, this is what's happening on this course.
1: Okay, which is most of them, let's be honest. Right, so today on our tour report, we're going to give you our re-ranked top 10. We're going to look at some sizzlers and some dark horse picks as well. We've got some amazing names that pop up this week.
2: Uh, would you say Innisbrook again? Isn't it a Scottish word? I love the way you say Innisbrook. Can, Innis- isn't it from... Can you give us some history on that name? Well,
1: I don't know too much about it, but the first time, I mean, I live in Florida, so it's a tournament that I've been to a lot and I think we're going to head down this weekend but when you drive in all the streets are Scottish places so it's really homely actually being back and seeing you'll see like Dornoch and Galsby and St Andrews and um, I was even born in Inverness and there's like an Inverness street so it's um it's very Scottish when you get down there apart from the snakes I mean we do have snakes in Scotland but nothing like the beast that you see behind <laughs> me <laughs> oh right well we've been talking about the course as you said it's super narrow and when we looked at the the stat categories that traditionally do well around here it was amazing and it just the ones that it came out on top are not ones that we traditionally see for example scrambling right up the top and the very bottom stat that's important this week is driving distance which is very refreshing to see
2: And there's a reason for both of those stats you just mentioned there. One is uh, scrambling is very important because the the eventual winner of this tournament will have to scramble. Mm -hmm. Why will he have to scramble? Because nobody will hit these greens. They've got a lot of grain. They're firm. The ball can hit the green and roll off the edge. And players are going to have to be able to get the ball up and down probably four or five or six times a day. You're only going to hit about playing well – even when you're playing well, you're only going to hit about 13 or 14 green just because of the style of this course. When you talk about driving distance not being important here, there's a lot of a little bit of undulation with some dog legs. You can't take advantage of cutting corners here. So there's layups short of a, a pond. There's up over hills. There's sharp dog legs to the right and left. So it's a more of a position course. Thus, we see the driving distance stat is basically thrown out the window this week.
1: Okay. Right. Well, we're going to get into our top 10. We have re-ranked the field. We're going to give you our full top 10. And coming in at number one is a guy who is actually a very big hitter on the PGA Tour, but he's just amazing at everything else as well. And that's why we have Justin Thomas as our number one pick this week, which will really come as no surprise.
2: Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of interesting things about for me about Justin Thomas, Diane, and that is he has a a very interesting schedule. He doesn't play every week. He hasn't played for a few weeks and I watch him on Instagram. I saw his swing this week. He's very um, calculated where he plays and there's courses that he goes to where he thinks he's gonna do well. His swing, by the way, looks excellent on Instagram. He's fixed, in my opinion, a little angle at his swing that looks super. But Justin Thomas plays super, super well in Florida. He knows everything about Bermuda. This is a test for him. He can hit irons off the tee here or three woods. But I, I believe that Justin Thomas will, uh, there's a reason he's number one this week. I think he is ready, rested, ready to go.
1: It's, uh, I was a little bit surprised to see that he was in the field this week. And you talk about the scheduling um, not long to go, really, three weeks to go until the PGA Championship. So for guys this year, with it being this massive super schedule, they really have to be very tactical with where they pick. And as you say, that's probably his reason for playing this week.
2: Yeah, I think, I think this is about the course. JT understands the tour very well for a young man. He's been very successful, and he, he goes to courses where he thinks he has the best chance. Mm-hmm. JT's, in my opinion, a very good at everything across the board, but when you think about a course that only 8, 9, 10 under wins, in my mind, that's why he's there. He's got a chance. Nobody else can run away from him. The average players can't beat him on this course, and this is where his particular strengths will work in his advantage the most
1: yeah right well coming in at number two a guy who is very strong around this course so again no surprise that he's going to be right at the top of this list he is defending champion not only that he's going for the three-peat after winning in 2018 2019 and then of course trying to get it done again this year Paul Casey comes in at number two
2: of course, Paul Casey is going to be at the top, Diane. doesn't matter what we do or say. Paul Casey knows how to play this golf course. And what is it about a golf course where a guy can come in, he's got reasonable form right now, played decent at the Masters. This is one that he knows, of course, very well. I remember myself, I won the draft on it twice uh, on, a, on a course that's very narrow like this. And I know what to hit off each hole. I know where to hit it. I know how my swing should feel. And believe it or not, it all comes back to you when you get on a course that you're so familiar with. He is an expert. He is the number one ranked player at playing this golf course for us. And that's why he's at number two for us overall this week.
1: And we talk about Casey's forum. He had a win in Dubai on the European Tour in January. And then since then, eight starts on the PGA Tour, four top tens the one thing that was almost like the the black mark in Casey's game was his putting but a couple of weeks ago I think we were actually talking about it on the show and uh, somebody who was working with him on his putting messaged us on Twitter to say he's sorted it out like he's working hard and he's fixed it and as you say his master's performance backs that up
2: it did indeed. and That person who contacted him, was, of course, is famous Peter Costas, CBS <laughs> Sports commentator and the coach of Paul Casey for the last 20 years and of course, Casey sometimes gets, uh, they pick on his putting but he's such a good striker, he has a lot of chances but this is a perfect course for him. This is the reason he's known for striking the ball well he not, and again, I'm, I'm going to say it one more time, he knows how to play this course more than anyone. Yeah.
1: Okay, coming in at number three, a guy with fantastic momentum right now. He's been playing great. All of a sudden, Corey Connors has popped up on everyone's radar with his stellar performances. I mean, it's no surprise. You've been big on him for a while, but after last weekend, and I'm not talking about the Zurich Classic, you are even bigger on Cody Connors.
2: I met Corey Connors at the Floridian this weekend and the pro member, and I, I shook his hand and told him how much I enjoyed watching him play at the Masters and how I really liked the rhythm of his swing, and I got to watch him on the driving range at the Floridian, and, and everything that I thought that I saw on the TV was true to my eye, Diane. He is a natural striker of the ball, has a beautiful rhythm. He's not chasing anything. He's not trying to hit the ball a mile. He's just playing his game, and I think Connors um, will be the next guy that steps forward on our tour. And this course, I put him here myself personally this week, Diane, because of what I saw at the Floridian and what I saw at the Masters. And it was all confirmed for me live. So I am putting a supreme striker in number three this week in Canadian Corey Connors.
1: You saw him live, so you have that. But his stats back it up to um, current form for this week. We have him ranked first in the fields, coming off a fourth place, an eighth place, and a 14th place finish. And ball striking, fifth on the PGA Tour. Greens and Reg, he's sixth. I mean, there, there's not really many flaws with Connor's game. Occasionally the putter, I mean, we say that for everyone. But again, over the past couple of weeks, it seems that he's working that out. Any tiny problem that he had.
2: Well, we also know that Paul Casey is not either and he's won this tournament twice. So where do you, you know, we know scrambling is the most important stat at this course, but we also know that ball striking is very important too. Where do they miss it and can they get it up and down and all that? So I'm putting Connors in with Paul Casey that they're superior strikers and they will at the end of the week work their way to the top.
1: Yeah. Well, we're moving on to our fourth ranked player. We're talking about someone who is one of the best putters on the PGA Tour. He finished tied for second in this tournament in 2018, one shot behind Paul Casey, and that is Patrick Reed.
2: Pretty hard to handicap a field without the number one putter on the PGA Tour in your list, Diane, and Patrick Reed has been off, so, uh, you know... This is a good course for him. Patrick Reed likes to draw the ball. He's good in the wind. Um, when you think about his game, you know you know he's a great putter, but he's a tremendous fighter. He uh, never is out of a hole. He can get it up and down. He's just got a really good attitude about golf, and he plays hard course as well. And this is a perfect setup for him.
1: Yeah, I think uh, right now with this season, looking at um, Reed's form, I mean his ball striking right now when you look at the numbers he's ranked 135th on the PGA Tour and 137th greens in reg 151st scrambling but you said it at the start we take the numbers to stand for about 30% and Reed's a perfect example of that this week
2: yeah, I mean when Reed put his name down to come to this tournament, he knows exactly what he has to work on to play this tournament well. So he's practicing. whenever you get ready to go to a tournament, Diane, if I was getting ready to play this course, I would have been thinking about every one of these holes in practice the last week, shaping the ball at that nasty hole behind you right there, hole sixteen, and doing it over and over and over and over again. So when I get on that when I get on that hole in the tournament, I'm just gonna do it one more time. So Reed will know of that, of course. Uh, But as I said at the top, the number one putter on the tour gets our attention every time. So that's why he's he's in our top of our list. For sure.
1: And then coming in at number five, a guy that had a good week in New Orleans last week, he teamed up with Bubba Watson, a guy who traditionally plays well around this course. I'm sure he wasn't giving Scheffler any tips though, because they're back to competing against each other. But Scotty Scheffler is our number five.
2: Yeah, that was a, a... you know The odd couple last week and uh, Scheffler, he's been on our list a lot. Diane, he's from Texas. He knows how to play in the wind. He knows how to play in Bermuda grass. He's a great putter. Uh, this field is not loaded from top to bottom. And it, it's easy in a certain sense for us to pick players. Why are they here? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the – when I start to think about a field, Diane – I want motivated players. I know Scotty Scheffler will be motivated to come to this course. He puts good and I don't have to say much more about it. He's got good stats to back it up, but this is a this is a very good spot for him.
1: This week it's the Valspar Championship at Innisbrook on the Copperhead course in Florida. I'm Diane Knox, and Elk is here as well. We are going through our re-ranked top 10. Justin Thomas at the top, followed by Paul Casey, two-time champion, defending champion. Corey Connors at three, Patrick Reed at four, and then Scotty Scheffler at number five. Right, Elk, our next guy, he does have a win under his belt on the PGA Tour, winning the Greenbrier in 2019. Two second place finishes to kick off this year in Hawaii. Joaquin Neiman coming in at number six.
2: Now we're going to talk about the young guys in our top 10. You know, we talk so much about Shoffley and Morikawa. They're not playing this week, but the next two guys, and we're going to focus on Neiman for just a second. Neiman quietly, you just said he had two top uh, top second finishes to start the season, but he's also in the top five, Diane, of the tour, plays a lot of golf, got a lot of statistics. So if you're in the top five in ball striking, top five in greens and reg, then you're going to get my attention when you go to a golf course that needs both of those. And Joaquin Neiman is a very exciting young player to watch. Hits the ball good, keeps it low, knows how to position it, has a friend in Sergio Garcia that's an older player that helps him with his strategy I like him a lot, Diane, and this is going to be a perfect fit for this young man. You're going to have to have all your skills this week.
1: I always, you know, just from watching the golf and talking to you week after week, there are just things that stand out in your mind when it comes to certain players. And we talked about how scrambling is going to be so important this week. I mean, ball striking, obviously, and we know he's great at that. But I think Neiman gets so inventive around the greens. You see him pull off some really creative little shots and that could bode well this week
2: one of the great things about coming from Chile, it's the same thing as me growing up in Wagga Wagga, Australia. You don't have to have anyone tell you you're good. You play this little course I can imagine he grew up on. He's got to get it up and down. And all of a sudden, he's the hottest thing going in Chile. He's shooting scores, winning all these tournaments. And he comes over here and just does the same thing. He didn't go to an academy. He didn't go to a college. He didn't get told what, how, to swing, he's, how to swing. He has a, a head dip in his swing, but he smashes it. And he's just playing golf to him, and uh, this is going to rec- this is going to be good for him because he's going to have to scramble a lot this week, and it's going to he's. He's really good at
1: it. Yeah, and he's only 24 years old. You talk about him being young. He's really young on the tour right now and just doing some amazing things already. So Wacky Neiman at number six. When I said there's always things I remember about certain players. At number seven, Abraham Answer to me is Mr. Greens in regulation. If you're going to get anyone to hit the green and to to get it close to me, it's Abraham Anser.
2: This is in the Paul Casey model that we talked about at the top answers weakest club as he's putting. We know that was Casey's as well, maybe to a certain extent, JT as well. But as you noted, one of the best guys that finds the green in regulation uh, coming out of Mexico, same deal. You know, he did play golf at university of Arkansas, but he's just a tenacious player. And we've seen him play well at the Masters. He's been on the big stage. Uh, I just like this kid a lot, uh, Diane. He knows, you know, anytime you can, be up in the top in greens and reg on the tour you're great and he, he he does it on tv we watch it and he's really good at it and i like him a lot
1: another guy i can't believe the answer hasn't won on the pga tour yet i mean he's come close and um, i think the closest he came was at the rbc heritage a couple of years ago when he lost out to webb simpson but it's shocking to me that he hasn't had that breakthrough win yet
2: and I think the time you spoke of it, the Hilton hit, I think he hit like 64 greens for the week out of 72. So that ought to tell you, you know, his ability to be able to hit the ball. So I think this is, is going to be a good week for him.
1: All right, then. Number eight on our list is, it's, I feel like his name is almost like the nearly man. He's finished second place so many times now. And we just saw it at the Zurich Classic at the weekend. Um, Louis Usteza and Elkay heard this stat on TV. He's never won in the US. He's finished second in every major. We know that he's won the Open over in the UK. But Louis has never won in the US. And he's finished second here before last year to Casey.
2: Well, we talked about our 30-30-30 rule, and yes, he hit the ball in the water with his tee shot in the playoff yesterday, but imagine how good a golf he played all week with Swartsell in New Orleans. We, he, we could be sitting here talking about them of winning this tournament. Louis Ooshausen one of these guys, you can close your eyes, you can see his swing, he's got great rhythm, Payne Stewart style. Uh, you know, good striker. But the the stat that I was surprised in is how good he chips the ball, Diane. He's he's seventh in the whole tour in, in scrambling. And he knows how to play this golf course. And maybe that's why he was so close last year. But will there be some redemption left over from that bad tee shot last week, Diane? And we know he's in good form. And we know he plays good on this course. So those two... Make him in our top 10.
1: He really made a charge last year. Um, I remember Casey was, I think he was one over um, and Louis went, I think, two under. He had one of the lowest scores um, of guys that ended up finishing in the top 10. So as you say, he knows this course and he, he has to be so hungry for it. I watch him, he's always smiling. He seems like he's got a great manner about him. And when you talk about experienced players, Louis up there every week.
2: Yeah, and Swartzel and you know Oosthausen, they are probably the you know they were the most dangerous swingers. I mean, they swing so good. Uh, they're better swingers than the Aussies. But they—they they, I thought Charles Swartzel has one of the great swings of all time, and Louis, of course, has one of the great swings and great rhythms of all time. So I'm always I'm big on guys that are informed, Diane. You know that, and Oosthausen uh, is certainly informed
1: and you mentioned his um, teammate for the Zurich who's gonna pop up on our show in just a little while. At number nine, someone whose game we know very well because he's part of the secret golf team. He finished runner up here last year as well to Casey. I was there, I wasn't last year, sorry, 2019, but Kokrak only had to par 18 to force a playoff and he missed a short putt, ended up bogeying and um, then finished tied for second alongside Ustazen But when you look at his track record around here, three top 10 finishes, tee to green, Kokrak's stats are the best for the Copperhead course.
2: Well, we know, as you noted, we know everything about Kokrak. That was a different Jason Kokrak last year that you that you saw him bogey 18. He's not the same guy. We saw him win in Las Vegas this year, Diane, where he... he Normally, he's number one at the end of the week. Every week, he's always in the number one in driving distance. Well, the tournament that he won in Vegas, he was 35th. He throttled way back. And he and I talked about this that he has so much power. He won a tournament when he hit the ball where everyone else did. Yeah. That is going to serve well for him this week because he doesn't have to think like he has to smash it all over the place. He has so much power. He has the advantage of being able to play this course with a, less than a driver, strategically put it in play. He knows what it takes. You know that he was second there last year. I like it.
1: He's 40 to 1, which I'm really surprised by those odds, bearing in mind that his record is so good around this course. And as you say, he's a very different player compared to what he was last time he was here Runner Up.
2: And that's why you listen to our show, because Vegas hasn't weighed all this in like we do
1: yes and then coming in at number 10 this guy <laughs> we've talked about him at length a lot now because he pops up when we look at the stats this guy rises up makes huge jumps up every single week but we're now at the point now like, we need him to do something <laughs> but he does justify oh, his place it. there <laughs> russell henley coming in at number 10
2: I made you tell me where he is on the FedEx Cup because he keeps popping up. His stacks are so good and I don't see him at the top of the board all the time. And you noted and told me, our producer did, that he's 39th in the FedEx and I don't even see him ever. But Russell Henley probably has the best stats of the week and we have to put him in a top 10. Okay, here I'm going to give it a go. 17th (laughs) in ball striking, 28th in greens and reg, uh... No, these are not. Oh, sorry. Let me start over. Okay. 31st in uh, ball striking, seventh in greens and reg, fifth in green in up and down or scrambling, 46 putter, eighth in uh, par four efficiency. Diane, if you were just looking at stats alone okay. at a horse race and you were looking at the sheet, you would have to bet on Henley.
1: But the other thing about Henley is, and I just have to pull up my phone because I want to make sure that I get this right. Because you look at his last couple of finishes: ninth, twenty-eighth, and third. So,
2: and has anybody seen that happen except his family and friends? I mean, is this is this? I mean, Henley is the most prolific under-the-radar flyer of all time.
1: So ninth at uh, um, the at uh, Harbour Town.
2: Perfect course I mean, for him if I, I look at his stats.
1: I bet his third was the Honda Classic, and I'm only gonna say that because well he's won there before and he plays so well at that course, but let, I'm gonna figure this. Yes, I'm right.
2: <laughs> I, I don't even know him, but I bet she probably likes snakes too. That's <laughs> the other stat that's on there.
1: Yeah. So Russell Henley, week after week, his name is up there. Then um, he needs to we need to get something going for Henley for sure. Once he's on He's 33 to one. So yeah. he has the
2: best stats on the board mm-hmm. uh, and he has decent form. You just noted it. And I'm saying he likes snakes. So it's, a, it's, a, it's the best bet on the
1: board. That's such a made up fact.
2: <laughs> when are they going to have a course that has a spider as a logo? That's what I, I'm okay with spiders.
1: No, I want a bulldog. Let's have a bulldog course. <laughs> that would be tough right so our full re-ranked top 10 justin thomas paul casey Corey connors patrick reed scotty scheffler joaquin neiman abraham anser louis Oosthuizen, jason kokrak and russell henley coming in at number 10 right still to come we have three sizzlers to talk about we also have a very big name that we are uh, we're going to mention who is not in our top 10 He was at the start and then we played around with everything. We do have reasons for leaving him out, but we will reveal that in just a couple of minutes. Play Money Grabber on the SG Tour. Instead of strokes, it's all about the cash. You pick a team of four players, one from each tier, and scoring is based on the money that your team wins. Your guys missed the cut? No problem, you're still in the game. The SG Tour Golf Gaming app, available on iOS in the App Store. It's our tour report this week for the Valspar Championship. We've gone through our top 10 and we're going to give you our sizzlers in just a couple of minutes. But first, Elk Dustin Johnson is in the field this week. He is not in our top 10. Now, he finished tied for sixth last year. And last time we saw him play was the RBC Heritage just a couple of weeks ago when he finished um, out with the top 10. So we think we have good reason to leave him out this week.
2: Not very often, Diane, you would have the number one player in the world that's not in your top 10. I talked about Brooks Keper at the Masters with his knee. That didn't work out. I talked about Wolf and Morikawa last week that were the top ranked team that didn't work out. And this week... I'm sort of saying that Dustin Johnson, Diane, is in a small little valley right now because, let's face it, he's been number one in the world for quite a while. The PGA is about three weeks away. We know he was in the Bahamas because we saw it on Instagram relaxing I was at his home course this weekend he wasn't there practicing like he should have been Diane or maybe he needs a break yeah. but I'm predicting that Dustin Johnson will stay slightly flat this week Diane and not be in the winner's circle and I think that is a natural way that top players have these little peaks and valleys.
1: Okay we have seen a as as you say a slight decrease in his form. The RBC Heritage he RBC are one of his big sponsors and He just made the cup. Then he had a low round five under on Sunday to finish in that tie for 13th. But when you look at his stats, I mean, he's number one in the world. He's got good stats, but we're ranking scrambling high this week. He's 157th in scrambling. Now, it could go both ways. Maybe he hasn't had to scramble a lot, and that's why that stat is so high. But that is the red mark against him.
2: There's hardly any red marks against Dustin Johnson. He plays with a strong grip and he has an inverted club face at the top, and that doesn't bode well for chipping. Mm-hmm. However, I just think that he's in a flat spot, Diane. I think um, we're going to see him concentrate a lot more, work a lot harder when it comes to the PGA in a few weeks. I just think the pressure of being in number one is up there. Now, let me do that piece again. Okay. Awesome. Let, me, let me do that again. Um, okay. Okay. So we saw DJ miss the cut at the Masters. you noted there at at, uh, RBC Heritage. He had a hot round on Sunday. He's been away. He went to the Bahamas with his family, uh, probably relaxing, not practicing, which I didn't see him at his home course this weekend. Um, You know, Diane, I just think I have a good feeling about where he, when he, what, the way he looks when he's dangerous. And he doesn't look dangerous to me right now. I think he will be in the PGA in a few weeks uh, in his home state, but not this week.
1: Okay. That's good enough for me. And we know that he was in the Bahamas because we saw Paulina Gretzky's Instagram. So if you ever really want to know what DJ is doing in his off weeks, go follow her and you'll find out. Okay. So we're moving on to our sizzlers. I'm going to say quickly, DJ's 10 to one this week. Um, So even being the world number one, I mean, those odds are still all right.
2: Yeah. They're good odds for DJ. Um, I just think there's a lot of guys that have a lot more motivation than sitting ahead of him right now.
1: Well, our sizzlers have got big odds this week. So that's great. The first one is 140 to one. And we've got a few reasons why this guy is on our radar. I mean, he finished runner up last week at the Zurich. He's a past champion here after winning in 2016. And you're going to go into what you saw about his swing. But Charles Schwartzel, again, how many times am I going to have to struggle through saying his name? I find it <laughs> so hard. Um, anyway, he is our first sizzler this week for the Valspar.
2: Good thing Charles Swartzl is not from Innesbrook, (laughs) because that would be the toughest thing for you to say, maybe, brook you got, but you know how much I think of Charles Swartzel's swing, I think he has one of the great swings of all time, we know he's in form, he almost won the tournament with his partner Louis Ushausen last week, and we know he plays well on this golf course, now, Charles Schwartzel is not the greatest putter either, but he's fought through that pretty good. And to get into the, to play the alternate shot format last week under a fair amount of pressure tells me that he's got his game all where he needs to. Perfect course for Charles Schwartzel. Very long odds, very good bet
1: okay our second sizzler is 80 to 1 and um this is this to me just seems like there's a lot of value in gary woodland he won here in 2011 he struggled with injury and a real dip in form however it's coming back i mean he finished sixth at the valero texas open and there was a strong field playing there he made the cut and 40th at the masters but I just think you know, two weeks off for Woodland, he's obviously still... I mean, the injury isn't affecting him, but I think the two weeks off is gonna have been a good thing for him. And experience around this course, I think he's a very obvious sizzler this week.
2: He's a very obvious sizzler for sure. Um, The reason we didn't pick Jordan Spieth at Valero is because that course is very narrow over there, Diane, in San Antonio, and Jordan Spieth proved us all wrong. But something happened that week with Gary Woodland. He hit it straight that week. I wouldn't have picked him either because that's been his weakness, and he proved to me top six finish at that course puts him in the right frame of mind, had a good Masters, and now is he finally past all these swing changes and being in the, in the, in the blues with his game, going back to a course, he's got to be feeling like he's moving up. I'm buying stock on Woodland this week, Diane, at 80-1. to 1
1: okay i like it and i say that he won in 2011 i know that was a very long time ago even 2014 he uh was finishing a tie for eighth so you know two two strong finishes around here one that got him the trophy so woodland at 80 to one is one of our sizzlers our third sizzler finished in a tie for fifth in 2018 here and another guy who he just had a real dip in form and that he's coming through that, but not only that, he is playing so well right now. So Justin Rose at forty-five to one is our third sizzler.
2: We all watched Justin Rose do what he did at the Masters where he had eight of eight birdies in ten holes on the first round. And we also saw Justin Rose kind of worry about his swing, the whole rest of the Masters working on drills and he sort of It appeared to me that he was just sort of going to fade very slowly out of the picture, and that's indeed what happened. But there must be some residual left over, Diane, of that good play. Maybe he's got things sorted out, and it's hard for me to even believe that Justin Rose, I'm not talking about him in the top 10, but he is a straight hitter. He's a great putter, a great chipper, great thinker, major champion, Olympic medal winner. Is there still a little bit of form there, Diane? Has he gotten through some of the little quirky things that he needs to feel in his swing? And when he does we're going to be right there to pick him because we're never leaving out Justin Rose.
1: And he's played this course a lot. And his stats for this course are good. I mean, I talked about the fact that he finished fifth in 2018, but he's had five top 15s here. And when you look at his stats, T to green, we were saying that Jason Kokrak is number one in that, but Justin Rose comes in second. So... He's obviously got a lot of experience around here with this kind of shift in his form and 40 to 1, there's value in that for Justin Rose.
2: Yeah, you've been telling me all the way through the show how many times these players have played good here more than once. Yeah. And we know what the footprint is, whether it's Casey and what he's done here and what it takes to do. and. A theme and a model is emerging of this sort of style of player, and Justin Rose is in that model. Of course, he is, he was former number one player in the world, but he's more looking at form and, and how he plays his course. So maybe it's going to be the name. No, Innes Brook. No, he's English. Ah.
1: Yeah, <laughs> he can't roll <rule> his <laughs> R's like the Scots can't. <laughs> Okay, so our three sizzlers this week, Charles Schwartzel, (laughs) Gary Woodland, and (laughs) Justin (laughs) Rose. Right, looking forward to seeing it on this very narrow course. And Elk, you're going to give us your drawings with some strategy this week as well.
2: I certainly will. And uh, I'm looking forward to this course. I always do. I always enjoy, Diane, seeing a higher score win at Innisbrook. And I can do without that snake, by the way. Have they ever thought about changing the logo
1: of this course? I mean, then they would have to do away with the snake pit. And those are three of the uh, most entertaining holes for us to watch anyway. Saturday is considered moving day and you can play along on the SG Tour. It's a one day stroke play competition where you select a team of four players to shoot the lowest scores of the day. Will you make big moves? Download the SG Tour golf gaming app on iOS now. Well, we're on to our dark horse picks for the Valspar. And Jay Kaplan is here, who for a long time in our team has been known as the king of the dark horse picks. But I think going by your record over the past few weeks and mine, maybe I'm taking over. My guys finished in fourth place last week.
0: Congratulations. I'm not ready to anoint you the queen of the dark horses, though. Um, Although you have a very Medusa look. Today, with that snake coming out of your head. So, I'm not sure I should disagree with you or not.
1: I had picked Brant Snedeker and Keith Mitchell to do well. I thought they were going to win it at one point, and then they had a couple of bogeys on their final stretch to finish in a tie for fourth. My other team, Grayson Murray and Rob Oppenheim, they were sitting in the top 10 at the end of Saturday, and I'm like, oh, wow, this is going to be it. Um, They finished in a tie for 25th in the end, but it wasn't too bad. Maybe finally I'm getting the hang of
0: this well and it just goes to show you like your Snedeker pick was sort of in passing at the end you were like hey I also have a good feeling about these guys and they perform and my personal favorite the Oppenheim twosome they were up there all weekend they just had a, a rough finish so Good on you, as we say, down under, I think.
1: Is that what they say? I'm kind of taking the same tactic for this week a little bit. Um, This is somebody... I'll just get right into my dark horse because he's 110.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've had the honors.
1: I feel like I'm rolling. Um, And he's maybe not someone that I would have picked um, normally, but I'm just going to roll the dice and go with Peter Uline. Now, my reasoning behind this is... He, has, he doesn't have status on the PGA Tour right now. He's been playing Corn Ferry Tour and he finished alongside Richie Worenski last week in a tie for third. So, was it a tie for third or a solo third? It might have been, actually, which I'm only double-checking. It's solo third, because that's good for the money, you know? Um, and that got him into this week. But he won two weeks ago on the Ferry tour in vegas at the mgm resorts championships so had the momentum of the win then played well last week in this pga tour event and has got into the field for the valspar he lives in south florida i just think that um elk had said to me do you think maybe he's going to be kind of tired after the win and then playing well but i think this guy's going to have more fire in him than ever before so i'm going with peter uline as my dark horse
0: Good pick. You know, he plays in a lot of events. We see him with really good odds every week. He's not a long hitter, so we don't have to worry about him chasing distance. Um, I like this pick. I mean, you're going with the same thing that you're bringing this week, which is momentum. You think you have good momentum, and so does Mr. Euline. Yeah. So I'm going to go the complete opposite way. <laughs> I'm going to go with a guy that has very little momentum, but he has a lot of experience. This guy's a conundrum. Um, the good part is, we have the pipeline to everything he's doing, not just on the course, but off the course. Uh, two ways. One, I tune on Instagram to see what his wife is up to. Oh, I don't know
1: who it is now. <laughs> and,
0: yes. And uh, they basically live in Willy Wonka's house. They've designed this incredible, elaborate house out in the desert that looks like it's made of candy. So, I know this guy's motivated because I bet that electric bill is probably pretty steep every month, which is why it might explain why he's out on tour pretty much every week. But this guy's a grinder anyway. And we know one of his uh, counselieres were very close to him. You may have heard him over the last 25 to 35 minutes explaining insights. Nobody has more insight on this particular guy than Elk does. So when I asked him this morning, like, give me some intel on him. He's like, he really wants to win. He really wants to play well. So he's motivated. The interesting part about this event and this player is this is a guy who hasn't been to Valspar since 2014, where he finished midfield. It seems like a place he wouldn't have played all the time. Something says these guys in Tampa uh, would welcome Pat Perez with open arms. It seems like a city that Pat may just fit right into. So I've let it leak. It's Pat Perez. I have this feeling based on one particular thing, Diane, do you know what his top skill in his career has been?
1: Hey, Scrumbling.
0: It is. He's known as one of the great chippers uh-huh. on tour and has been for some time. So I'm going to put all of my eggs in Pat Perez's chipping basket this week. And I'm going to say he pushes the top 10.
1: 250 to one and had a good showing with Jason Kokrak. Again, two guys that were in contention of moving up the leaderboard at the kind of earlier part of the weekend. And then Sunday was a bit of a rough day, but I think him and Jason Kokrak are so friend, uh, such good friends. Maybe he, after playing with him, got a little bit of a spark back to his game because we all know what Perez can do and it would be great to see it again. So at 250 to one, there's value in Pat Perez. I agree with you.
0: Everybody loves this guy for many, many, many different reasons. I love him this week because he's going to play well.
1: Okay, do you have another Dark Horse pick? No. no. Okay, well, I'm going to just throw out one name very quickly that Elk said to us. Sometimes Elk will just throw out a name and mm-hmm. pass over it. and And this was just worth it to me. Because we know that this guy has not been playing well. He's 400 to 1 this week and his stats are red across the board. <laughs> like, red across the board. But he's just started working with Bradley Hughes. And again, one of Elk's very good friends. Bradley does a lot for us at Secret Golf. And from what Bradley's been telling Elk, he was like, okay stand up and take notice also he is a veteran player on the PGA Tourist played this tournament many times had a top 10 finish in 2019 Luke Donald so we have a little bit of Luke Donald on our radar you know maybe for some sort of long shot um, a top 10 top 15 even a top 20 finish you would get good odds on that because his form has not been great
0: yeah it doesn't seem like he plays very often anymore I know he's got some off the course stuff. He's interested in elongating his golf career into the broadcasting world. So who knows, you know, Stuart sink, Luke Donald. I mean, the great thing about the tour is technology kind of evens the field. So it's never a surprise when a guy that's up there in age competes and now can win. So would it be surprising for Luke Donald? Absolutely. Because nobody's heard from him in a long time, but Sometimes Elk knows best. I'll even give him that uh, for everybody to hear, right?
1: (laughs) Right. So that's our tour report this week for the Valspar Championship. Next week, it's off to a big boys golf course. Quail Hollow for the Wells Fargo Championship in Charlotte, North Carolina. So we'll be back with our tour report for that. And hopefully everything goes well for our picks and your picks this week.